Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Well, welcome to Journey, as has already been said, and I'm so excited. I know it's hard to believe in the midst of all the stuff that's going on that I can be excited about something, but I'm gonna tell you what, it's just proved to me that God is bigger than all the stuff. We've been going through this virus, and I'm saying that for people that are watching these archives maybe five years from now, we're shut down. The, the world is literally shut down right now, but it couldn't shut it couldn't shut Jesus down. And last week we celebrated Easter and many of you are returning for the very first time. No virus could stop the message of the empty tomb last week. And so I'm so excited about that. And we just sang a song, uh, the name of the uh, song was gone. And it reminded me of that last moment where Jesus says, it is finished. And we talked about this last week. And really what he was saying was paid in full, it's done. And then we remember the empty tomb is a new beginning. And so um, we're excited about this. We're knee deep in a series. I'm gonna encourage you right now to grab your Bibles and a notepad. I'm gonna dive right into this. We're in this series uh, based on the Sermon on the Mount and it's come called From the Mount. And I'm excited because this whole series is about this one concept. If you can get this one concept, you'll figure it, figure it all out. It's, it's the difference between religion and spirituality or the, the, the difference between religion and relationship. And Jesus starts out at this part, something we kind of uh, sprung from last week. It says, for I tell you in verse 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom kingdom of heaven. And the and they love the law. They love keeping every little small detail of the law and making sure that everybody else was trying to keep the small details of the law. And when Jesus says that, unless your righteousness surpasses that, it was almost like in the world that we live in, because we may not understand the whole religion concept, but it'd be like saying to somebody, unless you can hit home runs like Freddie Freeman, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Or unless you can throw a football like Tom Brady, you can't inherit the kingdom. Or maybe it's unless you can play golf like Tiger Woods. And those things we know for common people are absolutely impossible. And that's what Jesus was saying. These are absolutely impossible. And we looked at it Easter time. And one of the songs that we sang today, we talked about the righteousness of God. We talked about that last week and we cannot attain righteousness on our own. We are the righteousness of God because of what, what Easter represents. It's the resurrection, it's the empty tomb. So we find our righteousness through being made right or being made right through Jesus Christ. And the bottom line is this, the primary difference between religion and spirituality is religious people, and you probably know a few of these religious people primary, primarily are worried about the outward appearance or the, the, the kind of the look where being spiritual is more about the inside, what's going on the inside. And if you want a right relationship with God, if you wanna be spiritual, if you wanna be right with him, you have to go beyond the externals and you have to look deep down inside of each of us or yourself. And as Jesus said this, he said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, and he said, listen, uh, I have the next kind of concept uh, and it follows, it's verse 21. And I'm, I'm telling you, you need a notepad because this one's gonna hit home for all of us. This is one that everybody that I know struggles with at some point or another. And verse 21, it says this, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Wow. And I, I can almost guarantee you the scribes and the Pharisees are going, hey, I got this one. Just like a lot of us would say, you know, like, I get it. I'm not a murderer. I'm fine. And how many times have I heard over the years, 
I wish I had a nickel for every time somebody said it. Listen, I'm not that bad of a person. I never murdered anybody. And Jesus says, well, well, hold on a second. Unless it surpasses that, unless it's more than that, you're just like everybody else. The religious law said all the way back from the 10 commandments about this thing called murder. You shall not murder. But Jesus takes this application or this law a step further when he says this in verse 22. He says, but I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel and whoever says you fool will be liable for hellfire. Now I'm gonna stop there because a lot of times we don't understand the verbiage here because some of the words in Greek and Aramaic don't necessarily relate to what's going on in the English vocabulary. And there's two words that he uses here. The one word that I noticed was the word insults and the other one is full or a phrase, you fool. Let's break these down for a second because when he says insults the brother in that verse, that verse 22, he's using the word raka, R-A-C-A. And literally what it means is brainless idiot or empty headed fool. And he says, if you call somebody that, he says, your judgment, your judgment, you're, you're not gonna inherit, you're not gonna receive the blessings from God. So if you speak condescending to somebody, uh-oh, you're committing a sin. How many times has that happened in the world? That when we speak down to somebody or speak down about somebody, and he's using that word here, raka. The other word is a word moros. It's where we get the word moron for. But in the Aramaic and the Greek, or specifically here the Greek, he's not talking about the mental capacity. It's more of a moral inventory that has to be taken. And he's literally saying this. It was an insult on somebody's morals or their, uh, more than their intellect. And he was referring to somebody as a stupid liar or a stupid cheater or a stupid infidel. So he's saying these two words, raka and moros. And he said, if you act these ways, you're in contempt. You're actually, you're actually gonna be held to judgment. And what, what happens is this. And I, I see this a lot, even in the world today. 2000 years ago, I'm sure it was prevalent everywhere. But a lot of people think they're getting an A in religion when they're getting an F in spirituality. An A is like, I've never murdered anybody. I've never called anybody this. I've never done that. I've never, I've, I've never like literally done these things. That's an A, you get an A. But how about, an, how about when we slander somebody or we write something negative on Facebook or we send somebody an email and barrage them with all these negatives. We're getting an A maybe because we haven't killed anybody in this concept of religion, but we've got an F in spirituality. First John 4.20 says it like this. If anyone says, I love God, I love God. How many people say, I love God, but hates his brother? He's a liar for he, he who does not love his brother whom he has, uh, uh, you know, who he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. I, I love the next verse. It's Proverbs 20, verse three. And it says, it's an honor for man. It's an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife. Like don't get involved in it, but every fool will be quarreling. So how do we do this? What do we do? This thing called contempt. Well, the first thing is I think we need to really understand what contempt is. What is contempt? Verse 21, let's go back and read it. You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable for judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable for hellfire. Now listen, some of you are probably thinking, and as I read it the first time, I'm like, does that mean I can't ever be angry? Like, is it okay to be angry? Well, of course it is. Matthew chapter 21, we see that Jesus goes into the temple and he's turning over tables because they were misappropriating funds and they were taking advantage of, of the poor there. 
I think there's times in our lives where anger is appropriate as long as it doesn't cross the line. And I'll talk about that in a second. I think it's okay when social injustice happens for us to be angry and for us to stand up. I think it's okay for us to be angry and frustrated when people come against the church or say something I mean, about God. I think it's okay. I think we can do that. But it's when it's, it's, it's this slow kind of, when it turns into this slow simmering grudge is where we've got to worry about it. Jesus is referring, when he talks about this kind of anger, this type of content, the brooding, simmering, grudge-holding anger that we refuse to let go. And I'm telling you, I know people who their lives are controlled by these things that they can never, ever let go. It's, it's wrong. It's wrong to have that. That's what he's saying here. It's wrong to have that kind of contempt, that, that kind of anger. And it's interesting to me, most often, and this is what I found out 54 years on this planet, most often it's a tiny offense that sets people up. But I think there's a reason being, and I've, I've been with people like this. I've worked with people over the last 30 years sometimes that have been like this. It's like they keep this, this, this virtual notepad of all the things that you've done wrong and all the things that have happened and all the things that you've said and there's that one little thing that sets them off and all of a sudden they just go absolutely crazy and, and then they bring this laundry list. And I wonder, especially when they've been believers, they're followers of God, if they've ever read 1 Corinthians 13 where it says, don't keep a record of wrongs. And how, how sad it is relationally to live in an environment like that. Well, that's what he's talking about. I actually had a conversation with somebody not too long ago and they said that um, about 40 years ago, uh, their car broke down and they were on their way home uh, from work and they had to stop to get it worked on. So they were, he stopped at his friend's house to, to get his car worked on, but he didn't you know, touch base with his wife. When he gets, walks in the house about nine o'clock, he was supposed to be home at six. He walks in the house about nine o'clock and there was all the food and these muffins and the cinnamon, like cinnamon muffins, cinnamon rolls. And, and she said, listen, because you didn't have the respect and you didn't have the, I'll never make you cinnamon rolls. And I'm thinking, whoa. He told me 40 years later, he's never had a cinema. She's never made one. That's a struggle. That's a problem. That's brooding. That's, that's a grudge. That's the kind of festering that Jesus is talking about right here. And Jesus says, if we have that, there's a judgment. We're, we're in contempt of sin. Many times, and I'll believe this too. I believe this with everything that's in me. Many times that kind of anger or anger or contempt is rooted in arrogance. It's rooted in a mentality that I am better than you. That my, my stuff is more important. My life is more important. My time is more important. Everything about me is more important. If you want to experience his blessings in his life, you must first acknowledge that you are not the most important thing in the whole entire universe. As a matter of fact, there comes a time in our lives as believers, we have to acknowledge our unworthiness or that we are not in charge. We're not, we're not the most important thing. That means, listen, I'm nothing without God. And the people that I see that get angry the most have a tendency to live in that mindset, that arrogant mindset that the world revolves around them. I made a, a list the other day of things that I've, I've watched people over the years look down at other people for. And this arrogance that rises up. And, and you know, I, I know people, I know people personally that don't like certain people because of their accent or their color. Man, the Bible says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, there's no male nor free, there's neither bond, there's no, you know, or, or free, none of that stuff. But still in the church, it happens a lot. I know people that look down on people because they have a tendency to talk too much. It's just kind of their personality. I, I know people that have looked down at people because that person laughs funny or they snicker funny. I actually had somebody not too long ago said something about like they were looking at somebody that was on our stage. 
And they said, well, she holds her mouth weird when she worships. I'm like, man, you have too much time on your hands. Like, mouth, like I'm not even paying attention to, how about this? I don't like that person because the style of clothes they wear. Here's one that really makes me, makes me sad. And I hear it from both sides. I don't like that group of people because they're old. They're 50 or older. And they're coming from a younger person. I don't like them because they don't understand. I don't, I don't like them because they're, they're, their ideas are archaic. And then the ones that are on this side of the equation, looking down at people that are younger, I don't like them because they don't have any, they don't have any experience. That's the kind of arrogance that leads to contempt and frustration. In the church, what's it look like directly in the church? Sometimes it's, I don't like the way you study. I don't like the way you read. I don't like the version of the Bible. I don't like the way you dress. I don't like the songs you sing. And let me, let me give you something to think through. As we're looking at this first whole point of what really contempt is, what does anger really look like? Ask yourself a question. Ask yourself, is the tendency to not like another person, is it a character flaw in me? and not in them? Is there something welling up inside of me that's not right that God, you need to deal with? And then ask him, literally say, have that conversation. Okay, God, can you deal with it? Like, if we really wanna be transparent and, and, and self-assessing, will you look at me, God? We did a whole series um, over the fall time about this, this search me idea. Search me, God, search me for the things that are wrong. And then make every other attempt. Once you get to that point, make every attempt those people that, that, that maybe you struggle with, maybe you get angry quick, you have contempt for it. Make every attempt to understand how valuable they are to God. And if they're valuable to God, they should be valuable to you. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Reconciliation is our responsibility. He says in verse 23, so you're, if you're offering your gift at the altar and then you remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. For, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now you're going, whoa, 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 what's all this about? Well, here's what I feel like he's saying. This is what I feel like Jesus is preaching when he's preaching on this mountaintop, when he's speaking to him. He's saying, listen, your religious stuff, remember the audience, it was scribes and Pharisees. It was people that were trying to figure out, he goes, listen, 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 your religious acts are not that important to me. Your, 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 your church attendance, your church attendance is not that impressive to God. Bible study does not impress God. Tithing does not impress God. He doesn't get off the throne and go, wow, that was a really big tithe check. That was awesome. Going to leadership meetings, don't impress God. Singing or playing doesn't impress God. Leading a group doesn't impress God. Preaching, doing what I do, won't impress God. The efforts we make to prove that we are religious will be nothing more than exercises in futility if we intentionally leave conflicts with others unresolved. He says, get away from those things and take care of the real business. And the key attitude here that has to happen is self-awareness. I don't know if you noticed it in that passage of scripture. He didn't say if a brother offends you, he said, if you've offended a brother. He said, if you're the one that made the mistake, you get up, and you walk across, you drop your gift down and you take care of this. Now you're saying, okay, Bobby, I get that. But what if I've been wrong? Well, it happens. What if you've been wrong? Well, do it right. Matthew 18 gives us a principle. It tells us how to handle these, uh, these situations. Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins against you, 
Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. I want you to underline that if you have an analog Bible or if you're taking notes, between you and him. And we're gonna talk about this at the very end. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So you do it with somebody, just you and that person, and then you take two people that you trust and you take them with you kind of, to kind of make sure that everything goes smooth. And it says, if he refuses to listen, verse 17, if he refuses to listen, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen, even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or tax collector. Literally means get rid of him. If you have something against someone else, forgive them. Do it the right way. Follow the guidelines of Matthew 18. This is one of the greatest little lines that over the years I've been able to use and has diffused so many conflicts. I would ask the question as somebody that's, I heard said something about me, maybe a phone call came in and this person says something, or maybe on Facebook, I would directly contact these people and go, okay, what have I done to make you feel the way you feel? Is there something I've done? And if I find out it's something legitimate, then all of a sudden I can go, hey, I'm sorry for this. I made a huge mistake. I did something wrong. And when somebody, when you offend somebody, there's some action that has to come out on our place. Reconciliation should happen. I I was rude to you. I'm sorry. I was rude to you. I was wrong. I'm sorry. It was my fault. I, I took, oh man, I took advantage of your kindness. You were so kind in that. And I didn't even say, thank you. I didn't even, I didn't even realize how kind you are. I'm sorry. Or I borrowed money from you. Here's, here's a little bit. I can't pay it all back right now, but I promise you, I'm gonna make every payment. I'm gonna pay you back. Or I made you a promise. I made you a promise. I made you a promise. We're gonna talk about next, next week, we're gonna talk about vows. We're gonna talk about the vows that we make uh, amongst ourselves. But I made you a promise and I didn't keep your promise. And I'm telling you, I'm gonna make that thing right. I'm gonna gain your trust back. Or how about this? I said some things to you or I wrote some things on Facebook or I tweeted about you. I had subliminal messages. I had something that was cryptic. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, that should have never happened. W- will you forgive me? Because reconciliation is our responsibility. It's important. A third thing is this. We need to learn to relinquish having to have the last word. And that may be the toughest thing. My dad used to say to me all the time, the person that says the most is usually the person that's wrong. And if you have to explain and talk your way through things, it's probably because you're the one that did something wrong. Now listen to what verse 25 says, especially these first couple words. It says, come to terms quickly with your accuser. Don't let him linger. They'll, they'll start to well up. They'll start to, people will start to struggle. It says, come to terms quickly with your accuser while, while, you, while you are going with him to court. Let your accuser hand you over to the judge and judge to the guard and you be put in prison or unless that all, that, all that'll happen. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. But that first line, that first line, come to, come to terms quickly with your accuser. We, we need to relinquish the last word. And that means, you know something? you're right. We're not going to argue about this anymore. When you're in conflict with somebody, regardless of how right you think you are, remember being reconciled. We talked about this. Reconciled is way more important than being right at times. I have a friend who was in college and he was telling me about a set of college pranks. And he started out very, very 
very benign, like, you know, like shaving cream and stuff. And then it turned a little bit more serious where they would, you know, put, you know, stuff on uh, maybe the porch and they would light it on fire. And, and then before you knew it, it had escalated to, there was vandalism being done and cars being hijacked. And one of the things they did was they literally take, took all the tires off the car, dismantled the car, and they put it up on the top of the building at one of the college buildings. It cost thousands of dollars to get that thing dismantled and put down. But he said there was one time there was this, just this awful, to the point where I can't even share what it is, but this awful prank that they pulled. And the guy said, my friend said to the other group of people, he says, now it's your turn. And they waited and they waited and they waited and they waited. And finally said, why aren't you guys retaliating? And one guy said, because it has gotten out of hand. And so we decided to just stop. You can have the last word, you guys win. And in the rule book of practical jokes, the other guys had the right to really come against him. But they decided to reconcile. Now the group of both parties, their best friends are actually in a law firm together. It's one of those deals where he said, you know something, you're right. Here's it. If you just want to be religious, then all you have to do in regards to all of this today is just keep the commandment. Don't kill. Don't kill anybody, right? Don't kill anybody. But Jesus says, if you want, if you want to surpass the righteousness, if you want to be, be right with me, don't rock him. Don't call him a fool. Don't call him an idiot. Don't call him a moros. You, you can... You can eliminate a lot of conflict in our lives by just letting it go and go, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna relinquish my, my right to be right. Romans 12 says it like this, verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what you do honorably in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You remember last week, if you were with us last week for Easter, I said, there was two things that my youth pastor used to tell me all the time. Remember, there's somebody always watching you and remember who you represent. And in this situation, we have to do both of those. We need to remember there's always people watching. There's unchurched people looking at us as church people going, they can't even get along with themselves. They can't get along with the world. How? how? Why, would I, why would I even want to be like them? I need to remember who I represent and there's somebody who's always watching this is what I want to do. Last couple minutes, I want to take a couple practical things, just real quick, practical ideas that we can take to help us with. The first thing is understand anger, understand contempt is a warning light. Now, I know lots of you have warning lights and they're on right now in your car. I would wonder how many people in their house right now would raise their hand and say they have a warning light and a check engine light, a check oil light somewhere in their car, just, you know, going off right now. Well, in our lives, anger is actually the warning light that something else is going on. We need to find out what's setting the alarm off. Something is wrong on the internal. Maybe it's somebody else's actions. Maybe we have a short fuse. Maybe we've been keeping a list and we're just waiting to pounce on that person. And like all warning lights, warning systems, sometimes there's false alarms. Maybe, maybe just maybe those things are going off because it's something inside of you. Maybe it's nothing to do with somebody else. So check it out. Check the alarms. Go, why am I getting so angry? What's going on with me? The second thing is, don't let anger act. Don't let anger act. Don't let it act out. I'm gonna give you a couple things that helps me. I'm not perfect at it. Um, You know, gone through life, struggled this. Wait, here's the first thing, wait. Sometimes just stop. 
Just, just put, put the brakes on, push pause and go, I'm not gonna react to this right now, breathe. Just be, do you ever notice when you're angry, you have a hard time breathing? You're like waiting, like I'm, I'm just, I'm anxious. And then do this. Just about every counseling appointment I've ever had come through my door, anybody that's ever sat in my office, I ask them how they argue. I always tell them, you can, you can argue, but you have to fight fair. But here's what I always recommend, 10 minute rule. When, when it starts getting heated, push pause on that thing and say, we're not gonna talk for the next 10 minutes. And then go back and do the other things. Wait and breathe deeply. Think through it, be rational. Here's another thing that's helped me. Some things just need to be left alone. You don't have to say everything that comes to your mind. Well, Pastor Bobby, that's being a hypocrite. No, it's not, it's being holy. Jesus had every right on the cross to blast everybody that was accusing him. It's being holy. I learned this from a message from another pastor. And maybe it's something that we all need to do. And maybe when we talk about being left alone or leaving things alone, maybe we need to have a grace box. And not a literal one, but just a mental grace box where we go, I'm gonna put this one in the grace box. I'm gonna, I'm gonna offer this person grace. I don't know exactly what they're going through. I'm gonna, Put it over here for a second. Maybe I'll bring it up in a couple weeks and go, hey, what's, what's going on there? And then we need to learn to handle conflict correctly. Sometimes anger is too big to fit in that grace box. And sometimes even though it'll fit inside, the lid keeps popping off. And maybe we, need, we do need to deal with it. I'll give you four things in this. Deal with it quickly. Right, once deal with it quickly. Deal with it quietly. Right? Don't 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 raise your voice. I remember one time we had somebody over our house and the kids were playing and they were saying, Man, your kids are so much quieter than our kids. And I remember saying to them, You get to control the volume of your house. You get to control it. If you're loud, if you're screaming and yelling at each other, guess who's gonna scream and yell at each other? How about this? Humbly. Do, do it humbly. Do it with the idea that you represent Jesus in this process. And then privately. You should never deal with your dirty laundry on Facebook or Instagram. And then learn to forgive. And I'm gonna give you by mere definition what forgiveness looks like. To give up resentment against or stop wanting to punish someone for an offense or fault, fault, it's a pardon. To relent in being angry, to give up my right or in wishing to exact punishment or to give punishment for an offense or a fault. And then the third thing, and this is the most important, to absolve from payment of a debt, for example. And what I've learned, the biggest thing about this, unforgiveness, and I say it all the time, forgiveness is holding somebody captive or unforgiveness is holding somebody captive. And that somebody is you. So forgive. Unresolved anger, the Bible says is a sin. And like all sins, it destroys us from the inside out. And the reason God tells us to stay away from it is because he doesn't want us to get hurt. We don't, want, we don't want to just not murder. 
We want to make sure that we're doing things the way God would want us to do them. Now, there's a lot of stuff today. And I'm sure there's different emotions going on. I'm going to ask the band and the singers to come back up for a second. And we're just going to take a moment to respond. You're going to respond right in your house. We're going to respond right in our church building. And for some, you may respond by worshiping with us. Another response would be, God, I'm sorry for doing the things that done. I've, 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 I've sinned against you, God, and I don't, want, I, don't want to, I don't want to be like that. For others, that response may be you're writing a few names down of people that you need to get things right with. I want to make this real clear. Reconciliation doesn't mean you have to be best friends. And sometimes reconciliation isn't even being reconciled with that person. It's reconciling yourself that you're not going to harbor that bitterness. So however, in this moment, this quiet moment, you decide to respond. I want to lead you in prayer. And then I want you to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in this situation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this moment right here, this quiet moment, as we're looking at the greatest sermons that have ever been preached by the greatest preacher that's ever walked the planet. I think the majority of the people that are listening to this right now are wanting to be more like you. And even as I was speaking today, there was faces going across the media of my mind. It was almost like there was this large screen of the people that I need to have conversations with, that I need to make sure first that I haven't offended them in some way. But it all starts with this. Father, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry for displeasing you. That was not my intention. I'm not gonna harbor this anger, this contempt anymore. I need you to bust the shackles off of my arms of unforgiveness. The, the shackles of my heart, I need you to free me right now. I wanna be more like your son, Jesus, that literally said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Jesus, right now in this moment, I believe there's some people sitting and watching this, that it's not a person they're angry with. They're angry with you. They're angry with you because of a life circumstance, a divorce, a cancer, another sickness, a broken relationship. I'm not gonna try to be God, but God, would you do me one favor? In this moment right here, would you, the way only you can, embrace that person and show them and tell them how much you love them. That that would start. That would start the snowball 
of forgiveness of person, self, and everybody around them. Thank you, God, for the opportunity today to share this deep topic, but most of all, to honor you in the words and song. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.